Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I'm here. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. I almost forgot the name of the shop, and it tripped me up the second, like on the last furlong of the intro. I almost, I was like, "Where are we?" I almost called it Crown. Right? We haven't recorded there in two years. You're gonna have to meditate a little before the show. I did. We calm kinda, your brain. That's true. Well, do you remember the first two years of this show when you used to complain so much about how I do the intro with so little energy? Welcome to the Cigar Cast, oh, yeah. So, so I, I may, I've been making for the last four years. A concerted effort to come into the show. Hey, how's it going? Here we are. How you doing? And uh, it, sometimes my my brain gets a little faster than my tongue. Your enthusiasm overrides your intellect. It, it, yeah, something exactly. along those something lines. Something like that. Well, I've, it's not something I get accused of quite often. But <laughs> well, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with the listeners today. I'm still finishing a Perdomo twelve year Maduro, All right. and I'm going to finish that cigar. You know. So just a little bit of how the sausage is made. Usually I'm here before Trey, kind of taking it easy, and occasionally I'll smoke a cigar beforehand. And the worst thing that can happen is for me to light a cigar, get halfway through it, and then you show up to do the show. And then I smoke another cigar kind of in the middle of that cigar. Right. And it just screws up the whole experience. Yeah. And and on top of that, or... You know, finish the cigar, in which case it puts us another 45 minutes before we get started on on weeks like today. As long as we're pulling back the curtain, we're, you know, we're banking two episodes. So we've got a long night ahead of us. Um, so, yeah, no, I totally get it. Well, I wouldn't call it a long night because it goes by so fast. It, it does, but it's, it's work. It's fun work, but yeah. it's still work. It's more therapy for me than work. You put in the work ahead of time, loading up all the content. And I, I feel like I put a little bit more work in when we're here because you've, you've done the... I've already processed it. Yeah. I already kind of have in, in mind the things I'm going to say. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's some of that happens. But So, for the first half of the show, I'll be smoking a Perdomo 12-year-old Maduro. All right. Um, it's, a good, it's a good Perdomo. We got the 12 years in the shop. And when do the 30s come in? This fall sometime. Okay. Sometime so we've still got a ways to, to wait. Yes. And we just received word from another shop that they're highly ticked that they're not getting the 30th. But Perdomo, I mean, you have to carry a lot of Perdomo to get the 12 and then the 30th. I and, mean, And you all certainly carry a lot of Perdomo here. We carry too much Perdomo. Yeah. And I think Perdomo's a little draconian in their practices of shelving and how many facings and all that stuff, but I, I they've got know, the right to be. Yeah, I, I don't know that I go so far as to say draconian, but it's the reason that if you see Perdomo in a humidor, you see a lot of Perdomo in the humidor because they make it, they at least make it advantageous to you. So, like, if you want to bring us in, there's a minimum order, but if you really want this, this, and this, You've got to do this for us, but the but it all sells, so it works out. Well, the other shop, the owner was really pissed at the show when he found out we were getting the thirtieth, and he's twenty miles up the road, and he's a more established yeah. shop just from a standpoint of time in the business. And he's certainly highly, not by reputation. Yeah, he's just highly ticked that he's not getting the thirtieth. Well, what are you smoking? So I we talked about this on the show last week, or I guess I should say two weeks ago, but uh, the. I bought a box of the Trinidad Espiritos, and at the time, they hadn't come in yet, and I couldn't remember if I got the number one or the number two. And we talked about, like them both, but I can't ever distinguish or remember one from the other. Well, I've had this box for a few days now, about half a week. They came in Wednesday. And it's the number one. 
And as actually yesterday, I was on one of these websites that I get great deals on, and they had the two for a box of Esperito number twos for less than a hundred bucks. So I've got those coming in a couple of weeks. So I'll actually finally be able to taste test them back to back. Or I like the number two better than the number one. It seems like number two has more of that Brazilian tobacco in it. I thought you said the other week that you couldn't remember. Have you had them since or you yeah. just remember? Okay. I think I said that week, but I don't know. I don't, it doesn't we'd, we'd have to refer, refer to the previous show. We did miss a week. Sorry, everybody. But I was back from Alaska and trying to put the wheels back on a business, and it just didn't yeah. didn't come together last and I, week. And, and the regular thing, it was just everything we looked at, maybe we can do it this day. Well, it's going to have to be late. Okay, well, this one, it's going to be too big. You know, it just it didn't work out. So we appreciate everybody's patience with that. So this will come as no surprise to any of our listeners, but the Trinidad is made in the AJ factory. That's part of why I like it so much. Um, Nicaraguan Puro, uh, that's really all there is to say about it. Nicaraguan Binder, uh filler wrapper the whole whole night they don't get any more specific than that so i do have before we get started speaking of aj i do have a a um an ethics question that has to be asked of me or of aj uh, of the world okay so the rep for aj came in here and sponsored poker the other night don williams great guy a lot of fun like don a lot he did a great job sponsoring poker and was really interactive with everybody and, um, you know, just a great night for it and all. And Don said, hey, I want to play golf next time I'm down here. You want to play golf? And I said, well, sure. I'm going to turn down a round of golf in my life. So um, we scheduled to play golf, me and him and one of the owners and one of the guys local around here that plays a ton of golf. So do, is it... Bring whatever you want. Is it, well... Not only that, but when a rep comes in here a lot of times, I'll buy the rep a cigar and give it to him. Right. Because like Ben from Crux was in here the other night, and I actually bought him a Kill Bill. Yeah. And I'll, because I said, here's the deal. No, but one, nobody ever gives a rep a cigar. Everybody just, reps come in, people stick their hand Except out. Except for other reps. Right. And, uh, but generally you don't, yeah. those paths don't cross too often. <laughs> and all. You can tell you've only experienced the uh, industry from the retail side of things. Sure. <laughs> and uh, so when um, when he's in, so I bought him a Kill Bill and he yeah. smoked it because to me, one, I think he can't he can't in good conscience be in the humidor seen purchasing another cigar. But if he wants to try something different than what they sell all the time, I can give him a cigar, and then he can take the wrapper off of it and sit there and smoke it. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm lips are sealed as to what he's actually smoking. Except to both of our listeners, right? Yeah, everybody <laughs> knows. Hey, everybody in here, either night, Ben was smoking a, a Kill Bill. A Kill Bill. Yeah. <laughs> but so when the AJ rep, when we're playing golf with Don, um, do I bring a cigar for him and offer him something different? Yeah, I think you offer. I think it don't hurt to offer. I, I he think, wouldn't be insulted by the offer. You know, you're going to smoke, what, three cigars in a round of golf? That's about what I use. Two, two max. Two max. Um, so I, you could expect him to bring enough cigars to share. I think you bring, I, if it were me, I'd bring one of his, one not of his. Right. And, well, obviously you bring more than that, but I expect to smoke one of his, one not of his. And... Bring one, yeah. I think you bring one to, well, to give away because you do that anyway. We're playing at seven twenty in the morning. Yeah, we're teeing off at seven twenty a.m. 
And I'm like, you know, that's a little early for an AJ product. <laughs> that's, you know, that's fair. Uh, although the New World Cameroon, I smoked it while I was push mowing my lawn this afternoon at one o'clock in the heat of the sun. Couldn't so. wait till it got hot? No, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they do have some. Uh, to Had me, something else to do at high noon? <laughs> to, I feel like the cigar you smoke while you're doing something like that in the just bitter heat of the day, oppressive, manual labor, whatever it is, is the same as the first cigar of the day. Because I went into my humidor, I was like, I don't want a new world right now. That'll kill me. And I'm not going to not smoke a cigar while I mow the lawn. It's, it's why I got a self-propelled mower. So, because <laughs> it, it, the effort required of me is much, much less. But I, so they do have some things in the, in that morning cigar realm. Uh, but I think he knows that. So I think well, you, you bring a, bring a, uh, undercrown shade or a something. Right, I'll probably bring an but, Africa but definitely, or two. Yeah, bring something. Be willing to share and expect that he's probably going to return the favor. Well, first, I never would smoke while mowing my yard. I would never take something I hate and mix it with something I love like See, that. I couldn't do that. I'd, I'd like mowing the, the yard. See, and I guess if I enjoyed mowing the yard, that might be different. All, but I feel like I'm, when I mow the yard, I feel like I'm being punished for my sins. See, my yard is big enough for a cigar. So a Toro lasts my backyard plus 10 minutes, which is what you want after you've done mowing the yard. Right. So it's, it's perfect for that. So first article from Aficionado. Rare Fuente, Opus, Fuente Fuente, Opus X cigars slated for 2023. So here's the, the obligatory special release from Opus, which I guess... It's a good market share for them. Yeah. You know, the guys that are just waiting on that and all. And we'll cover, the, before we get too deep into that, we'll cover the um, the actual cigars themselves. Opus 6, scheduled to arrive by the end of the month, $350 for six cigars. That's 770, what is that a cigar? Uh, 70 bucks a cigar? About six. 60. Yeah, about 60 bucks a yeah. stick. 360 would be six bucks a stick. Yeah. Or 60 bucks a stick. Yeah. So 50 something bucks a stick. Yeah. Uh, blue, yellow, red, black, and Macassar ebony. What is the difference in black and Macassar ebony? I, I have no idea. 400 of each, 2,000 cease total. Secondary bands on the cigars indicate the year they were rolled. So this is just their standard little six-pack. And, I mean, it's not bad. They kind of got a couple of Toros, a Robusto, a Perfecto. I mean... And, and uh, either a Lancero or a Lonsdale in there, too. What, from the promo photo, it looks like these are from 2019. So you're getting a minimum of four and a half years of age? Yeah, and each set's going to contain a Love Affair, a Magnum, a Tiger, Shark, a Bull, a Churchill, and a Lancero. Boy, 50-something bucks for a Lancero. That's a big ask. That's a real big ask. <laughs> but the, your Fuente, your Opus nerds are going to like that. True. They they like if you're if you're into this, if you're willing to lay down three hundred and fifty to say you have this set. Now here's the thing about the sets though. Let's talk about this for a second. I del- I dislike sets like this. Cause you can't whip it out and share it as such because everybody's getting a different cigar. Right. So it's more like an advent calendar. Yeah. You kinda have to 
And you hate to be the guy that's hoarding it all to himself in this. Not not for something like this. I think you get a pass when it's super exclusive sizes and blends and things like that. You know, so the Opus 5 uh, in, includes the Heaven and Earth B, BBMF, Purple Rain, Rare Black. So some of the even rarer, rare Opus. Yeah, the other set being the 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 five um, five seven and eight opus sets, and they're kind of rare. And then they have, of course, a new humidor come out, a new pretty humidor, which their humidors are beautiful. Yeah. Now I wonder if this one has a secret drawer in the back. I don't know, but you, you've learned your lesson on just opening it willy nilly. I've learned my lesson to always ask before you open the secret drawer because you never know what could be in there. Which you think y'all wouldn't have to learn. You'd think I would have known that. <laughs> you, you, one would think. I do appreciate this. They've also got a... Uh, oh, wait. Where did, I lost it. Uh, presented Rare A Dimension for the first time. The Lost City. So they're going to do a Lost City box of A's, which is a box of, it looks like, 10 for seven seventy nine. Well, I do love an A. The rarest release is the second second installment of the 2023 Opus Heaven and Earth Big B Humidor. Contains 100 cigars. Only 50 of these humidors released, with another 50 coming in December. Suggested retail price, $11,000. That's a, that, That's a heck of a price tag. Now, you're getting... The Purple Rain, the BBMF Natural and Maduro, El Scorpion and Natural and Maduro, Rare Black, uh, a couple of different sizes of that, the Bull Maduro. You know, there's, there's a, a, that's a pretty good lineup. Well, okay, so 50 cigars for $11,000. No, 100 cigars. Or, excuse me, 100 cigars for $11,000. let us assume the humidor's worth $1,000. Well, let's, let's do the math on this real quick. So well, it's, it's actually 102 cigars. So it's $98 a cigar. Yeah. Uh, that's a, and so here's my question, because I've been in the retail side too long around here because I'm having to think about this particular portion of it so somebody comes in here and they stroke me a check for 11 grand lay down 11 grand on this humidor say they get the bad batch right what do you do have you ever have you ever gotten a bad batch on an opus though but they're a human-made product. They are, but their quality control is so high on this. Well, you would think at eleven thousand, it'd be another level above that, right? But as a as a shop, you know, somebody at the shop in that side of it, I do think about that. What if? Because okay, the customer that comes in here and pays eleven grand for this humidor, he's a what fifty, sixty thousand dollar a year customer, mm-hmm. conservatively speaking. And he comes in and says, every one of these I lied is blowing up. Every one of these that I have is, you know, next time we've got the Fuente rep in here, I've got to ask if that's ever happened. I may have to be sworn to secrecy to know, but I've got to ask. I I feel like this is a situation where, like, as the retailer, that gives you heartburn. But Fuente would take care of it. Fuente would absolutely take care of you if that happened. You don't think so? Uh, Hold on. 
Right, yeah, I was, yeah, a, a simple nod would suffice since you don't have your mic in your hand. He, okay, you don't think Fuente would take care? You know, the reason I think that is because Fuente, more than any other company in the cigar industry, does a lot for charity. And a lot of what they do is, is these exclusive sizes and blends and things get auctioned off all the time. So they, they hold back more than just what they sell. They've got... You know, I'm sure they would want some some proof, or they would want. I bet they would take care of you. Okay, I laid my microphone down to put my pick in my cigar, so that's why I was giving trace signals from the back, like like we were calling in the lefty. Um, I don't know. My dealings of oh, with Fuente have not been super positive, but you haven't been. In the $11,000 exclusive humidor territory. Right. I haven't got $100,000 worth of Opus sitting in the humidor. If you've got a guy in this shop who's going to drop eleven grand on this, you're going to bend over backwards to make sure he's happy, right? So why wouldn't Fuente do the same? How many of these actually make it to the customers, do you think? How many of these does the shop owner kind of grab up on his own? Uh, Half. Think about half and half. About about half of them make it to the general populace. Yeah. Well, and granted, it's a narrow market. We're going to talk about $100 cigars later in the show or later in the Seems next like show. Seems like we're doing way too much of that lately. There, there's a lot of that there's going on. There's a lot on. of them, yeah. Okay, Cuba overthrown as capital cigar capital of the world by this country. Here's how. This is from Wyon. I guess. Wyon, I guess. Wyonnews.com. I don't know whose side they're on. And I, I love their... Okay, real quick before we get into the actual article. I love their top, their header, Videos Gravitas, World, India, Entertainment, Lifestyle, Sports, Science, and Photos. <laughs> Must be Indian then. What is Gravitas? <laughs> Got to, I, I, want, I almost want to click on Gravitas to see what Gravitas is. <laughs> but anyway. No idea. So Cuba was known as the, the big dog in the cigar industry and the cigar of legend and lore was Cuban. And now the Dominican Republic has taken over as the world's largest cigar producer. And you said that before the show that you thought that this had happened previously, right? Yeah, I thought Cuba had been out of the game for 15 years. Yeah, and I checked it, and this article is from August 14th of this year. So it's it's new. Um, you know, they talk about, uh, where was it? The big thing is being just increase of production. You know, this is where we start to see the difference in a state-owned process versus a, 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 a for-profit enterprise, which is the D- Dominican has had the opportunity to expand, to, to have more factories come in to increase production, whereas Cuba is limited, both in the area available to... Uh, produce tobacco being much smaller in square footage, uh, square mileage, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so it it looks to be just a sheer numbers game. Yeah, I guess if they're looking at this just based on numbers, and granted, my view is probably skewed due to the fact that, um, you know, we don't have Cuban cigars on the shelves here. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess that's why part of it why did you see this article to the side? Naked woman pulls up car, takes out gun, opens fire on California Bridge. Where was she hiding the gun? <laughs> it says pulls out gun. There's it, only a couple of options there. Yep. 
I, 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 don't, I certainly hope it wasn't a rifle. <laughs> I don't have that ad on me. I think that says a little bit about your browsing history. <laughs> it may do. So, uh, actually, I, I misspoke. It says that the driving force was the Dominican success uh, was driven by a significant increase in the production of machine-made cigars. Interesting. So... I knew I had read, had read something like that. So it makes me wonder what is Villiger? Because I know they do a lot of machine-made right. stuff. Are they Dominican? I thought they were Honduran. Well, and is the Dominican going to lose this title now with the new cigar legislation? Well, no, because if they're competing on the global market and this is uh, changing it, then I would, I would, it would stand to reason that it's more than just the U.S. that they're competing. How, why can I not say this right? So we're talking about global enterprise. They're not competing with Cuba and the U.S. anyway. So I, I don't think the U.S. is going to make... So a, when you travel abroad, because granted, my traveling abroad is very limited and probably will always be. When you travel abroad, do you go into humidors and does Cuban cigars have a, a large segment of the humidor? There are very few traditional humidors and lounges the way we think of. Uh, speaking exclusively for Europe here, and I can talk to you about Italy specifically as, as being the only place I have first-hand knowledge of, they sell cigars like the Toscanos, the machine-made cigars, in the, in the drugstores, in the regular tobacco shops where they sell cigarettes. But they don't sell the kind of cigars we think of when we think of that. that those are sold in dedicated places that are just humidors, but they're still very different from what we have here, and they're much more rare, too. So it's really the machine-made is is a driving force in Europe, from what I saw. Okay. Well, that's that's an interesting thought. Um, I just I wondered that, but I've seen this article, and I would have, like I said, I would have thought Cuba died long ago, but I guess I am colored by the fact we don't have them on the shelves here. Right. So that's probably a big part of it. Um, from Shaw Local News Network. They're on your side. Number one in Northern Illinois. Variance recommendation approved for Where cigar- do you get Northern Illinois? It says it right up there top. Shaw Local News, number one in Northern Illinois. doesn't say that on mine. Oh, I got an ad for an app. Oh. I, I could get the Shaw Local News app, but I don't, I don't care what's going on in Northern Illinois. Well, then why Illinois are they reporting that? on something in Oregon? Variance recommendation approved for cigar sign in Oregon. <laughs> Oregon Planning Commission votes 5-2 to two to recommend council okay variation to the city's sign ordinance for badash cigars. How um, do you feel about cigar shops and humidors that use ash as a euphemism in their name? I think it's stupid. Really? Yeah. Uh, it, it's like you're trying to go for something profane. It's like you, you know. It's like you're saying, "Golly gosh, darn it!" Um, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't dig it. You know, I got my start in the cigar industry as part-time help at Wise Ash Cigars, and occasionally I'll see one that I, I feel is somewhat profane or, or like trying. It's like the, uh, the Vietnamese uh, soup places that always are fucking. Or, or right. you know, King Delicious or whatever. You know, they're very obviously trying too hard to make it sound. I don't, I don't have a problem with Wise Ash, Bad Ash. I, you, I if, would, it's, if you started 
Because I don't think either of those terms are very profane in their intention, even when you use the word they're replacing. Well, the, I have a feeling this guy's going to disagree, going to agree with you more so than me. I disagree with Shane, no matter what he says. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and here's the thing, and maybe this is the aristocrat in me. I think a cigar bar, a cigar lounge, is a gentleman's establishment. I want to project a very gentlemanly atmosphere. I don't want the front of my shop but you guys painted don't do up that like here. a cartoon. You don't do that here. This is very casual. It's polite, but it's not the stodgy mahogany and leather high-back chairs that, that you're describing. No, but by gentlemanly, I mean it's set up. It's obvious that this is a place for men to go into. It's a place for cultural conversation to be to flourish. And to me, just having the whole front of your shop painted up. So, yeah, let's get into the article a little bit. So, because that's what it's really all about. They were approved uh, by the city to paint a mural on the front of their shop. This is happening in city centers all over the country. It's become kind of the new thing. Rather than the bland, you know, tired, just building facade, you know, painting a mural, kind of livening it up. What happened is, between the front door and the bay windows... They have put a seven foot tall, I think they said it was a seven foot tall. Yeah, four and a half foot by seven foot cigar. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's been burned down by the, you know, if this were to scale, it's been burned down about an inch. There's some ash and some smoke coming off it. Getting things right out of the way, um, it's ugly. It's, it's not, not a great looking mural to No, it's with. not super attractive. And they kind of got random splotches of greenery. Well, no, those are islands. So you've got the island of Cuba in the top right. Uh, what you're looking at is I, I don't I can't recognize I can't recognize what the other two islands are. Yes, you do have some greenery on the left, but you know it's trying to evoke a certain you know tropical atmosphere. I get that. Well, also. We're not allowed to have billboards with cigars on them. Well, so that's that's where this comes... This is where this kind of comes to a head, right? The city has determined that as soon as they added the cigar to the mural, it became a sign for their business, in which case it is now governed by other sort of ordinances in the city. And so... That's why they're, you know, they even said very specifically, the issue is the sign's size, not the content. So this is not, you know, city council trying to rally against big bad tobacco, or at least that's the claim. And I would say that's probably, uh, probably accurate and fair based on some of the other content in the article. So, but that's where it really comes down to is it's just the fact that this is now a what are you going to that sort of 15 by 30 billboard right on Main Street here's well, a- and you know I've, I've got what I guess is an unpopular take I, I think graffiti artists should be put in jail I don't think you should be able to paint on something that's not yours just because you have inspiration to take spray cans and commence the painting on something. I yeah, think that's but that's a, not really relevant to this because this was a this was a, a mural that was paid for by an artist. See, this feels more like graffiti than mural to me. Why? Just because it's on a building? Yeah, just because the way it's set up. Uh, you're you are so out of touch. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, and I plan not to be touched. <laughs> so, 
So here's where I think this gets interesting. Um, the, da, 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 we have a mural. Oh, we have a mural grant program providing five thousand dollars each for the downtown murals, and we have three in the pipeline. So, because I'm very much on the shop owner side in this, until I get to that point, and I feel like I mean I'm still on the shop owner side, but the city gave you five thousand dollars, free and clear, plus an additional. Uh, 190000 in cash and business incentives. Okay, you, you kind of got to play by their rules now. Especially when you, cons- when you consider what's mentioned earlier, which is that um, the cigar was not part of the original design that they presented. You know, and the sign, sign ordinances are difficult for me. So... I'm glad you brought that up because that's my biggest issue with this article or not my, this was the one thing I wanted to talk about in regards to this article. How is that not a first amendment violation? Well, because for many, many years, first thing you've seen when you rolled into Nashville was a sign that said world's largest adult bookstore. Well, you still see those all over the place, you know, and these giant signs, you know, saying, saying things like that. And I'll, you know, when I was working for Gresham Smith and Partners, all directions started from Deja Vu Showgirls. Every time I asked somebody how to get somewhere in Nashville, this is the days before GPS when you used to ask people for directions. Right. It was always, okay, you know where Deja Vu is. I had to find out where Deja Vu was to get anywhere in Nashville. It says a lot more about the people you were asking for directions than it does Nashville. Granted. But, no, so I get, but we also have obscenity laws and things like that that apply to advertising and things like that. But I don't understand. I mean, maybe is it because it applies to a business and not an individual that you don't have First Amendment protections here? But it's this is freedom of expression. But when, you're, when your freedom of expression starts casting a poor pallor on the city that you're in, I can, I can see st- the city stepping in for that. I can see them wanting to, for sure. But I don't, I don't know that... I feel like it's just kind of this really strange area where where it applies and where it doesn't. You know, I always said on the Deja Vu sign in Nashville, they have a thing that says 102 pretty girls and three ugly ones. I always thought I wanted to be the guy in charge of that sign, and every time they hired somebody new, I'd be out there changing three to four. Right. <laughs> or something along just those lines. Just to keep everyone humble. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know... Signs are a difficult issue for any municipality to govern because you don't want a whole bunch of signs stapled on the telephone poles. You don't want the, you know, we'll buy your house handwritten signs and things like that. You don't want all that flourishing in your city. So you do have to have some ordinances to to relegate that. Not, but I think the But line, if it's your business on your business's property that you own or lease and have ownership rights to, I think that's a different story than planning it in an easement. I think the line is if you actually own the business and you put a sign out, anything goes. Yeah. I think that's how it should be too. And, but if it's the We Buy Houses guy, he should be subject to some pretty rigorous sign regulations. Yeah. Well, and it's... But that's... That's where it gets tough, right? Because you can't cherry pick like that. Sure you can. Well, <laughs> not if you're a good government, you don't. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry. What's this thing you speak of, good government? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not familiar well, you cl- with that term. Well, you clearly wouldn't be one if you were in charge. That's what I'm getting from this. 
but I don't think that you should be there doing, you know, I don't know. The sign ordinances cause a lot of conflict in my life. And, you know, we have a great company around here that puts up signs for subdivisions. And the guy comes out on Saturday morning, puts out the signs, and on Sunday afternoon he goes and picks them all up. I'm good with that. Oh, for like open houses and stuff? Right, for, you know, the new subdivision, the new Old South subdivision or whatever. We've been trying to get one removed from the front of our neighborhood. They've got three properties left. Houses are built. They're just waiting for people to overpay for them. And the sign, the you know, the what you know, houses starting in the low three hundred or whatever you're used to seeing, it's been up there since they started building this neighborhood almost ten years ago. And it's weathered and it's torn and it's like, can we please just get this thing torn down? Right. Either make it look good or get rid of it. Right. Because you're hurting yourself trying to sell these properties by making this look like an eyesore as soon as you turn in the neighborhood. Oh, absolutely. Well let's step away from a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about Dumbarton tobacco. All right, we'll be back with that and more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who I'm sure thinks my big cat Ernie Ladd impression is racist, Mr. Trey Dedman. You're what? Okay. So I was thinking about this earlier today. So I, by and large, hate impressionists. Right. By and large, I think they're the lowest form of comedy is the impressionist, right next to the prop comic, as far as low. But I love wrestling impressions. I love people that do really good impressions of re- of famous wrestlers because they're kind of living in the gimmick they're feeling the gimmick right because so, the wrestler's whole persona is an impression it's well, uh, it sort of you know big cat ernie lad was that he was the booker he was a famous wrestler but he was actually more famous for being the booker the man that puts together the matches in mid-south wrestling the um cowboy bill watts territory all right and he would say fat darso Barry Darso was a bodybuilder. He didn't have, uh, he has kind of world's strongest man physique. He right. didn't have a wrestler's yeah. physique. He had a strong man physique. And Fat Darso, come here. Sit under the learning tree with Ernie Ladd. Said, I want you to go in there and I want you to shine that baby face up like a new penny. For the first two minutes, you're going to shine him up like a brand new penny. And then after that, he's go, you're going to poke him in the eye and you're going to get your heat. And your heat's going to be good. And he's going to be selling. He's going to be selling the heat like he's going to the electric chair. Mama, please help me. And then, and then, he out of nowhere, he's going to hit you with the DDT. He's going to pin you down. And when he gets the one, two, three count, after the bell, you're going to attack him till the baby faces run in to make the save. And then you're going to take a powder. Any questions on how this match should run? <laughs> So I, I feel like you thought you would think that's slightly racist, but I thought it was. I like Big Cat Ernie Ladd. <laughs> I, I don't think there was anything inherently racist. Okay, about well, good. Yeah, he he was famous for um, when he told King Kong Bundy, he said, "King Kong Bundy, you big tub of goo. We bring you in here. We pay you all this money. Then you go. Then we bring people in to put you over with the fans, and you just stupid yourself right out of position. <laughs> so, but you know." 
All wrestling fans have a certain amount of those they have to do. Now, I'm not talking about the Hulk Hogan impression. Right. If your Hulk Hogan impression is just saying brother a lot and you don't even bother to do the snort at the end of the interview, you're out. Right. And the Macho Man, it all sounds like a Slim Jim commercial to me. Which is how most people really came to right. know Macho Man. Those are the two big ones. But I like it when you go deep, when you get to Ernie Ladd, when you get to Dusty Rhodes, a good Dusty Rhodes. I can listen to a good Dusty Rhodes impression all day long. <laughs> so I just, it, it just one, I wondered about that. Well, I think it's because so often those types of impressions are basically an affect on a conversation that actually happened. You know, whereas your impressionist comic is trying to make you believe that Robert De Niro's online at the bank. Right. You know, like that's not, there's nothing there. You're making the joke is the impression, not the setup. Whereas what you're talking about, the story is the joke. The impression is the cherry on top. Right. You, you just, you can't tell the story without following, falling into a little bit of Dusty Rhodes or Ernie Ladd. Remarkably close together. The Dusty Rhodes and the Ernie Ladd, remarkably close together as impressions go. I, I wouldn't recognize a Dusty Rhodes impression if I heard it. Oh, the American Dream? I mean, I no, I'm familiar. I know who Dusty Rhodes was. I've, I've heard, but just, it doesn't, it's kind of like uh, Bill Hader from SNL does an Alan Alda impression. And you wouldn't think you could do an Alan Alda impression because his, his voice is just nothing. He's not like right, De Niro or Walken. He's just, but he does it and it's perfect. And it's just, you go, yes, he does have a distinct way of talking. And I'm using my hand like he does right now. And so I, Dusty Rhodes for me is that. Like, I wouldn't, unless I knew someone was doing an impression, I would just think it's how that person talked. You know, the, the night Dusty Rhodes passed away, we were actually having one of our big wrestling events, and we had a young man come with the two buddies of mine that were coming, and he said, please stop them. They've been doing nonstop Dusty Rhodes impressions for the past two hours. I said, <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. I just can't help you out. <laughs> <laughs> and all, and, uh, there's, there's a lot of... The Dusty Rhodes is always a classic impression, but I, I really like to hear that. And, of course, they do the... The little more, you know, the Killer Kowalskis and the the Mad Mongolian and all of the really good impressions of the... But unless you were somebody that really watched a lot of old wrestling, you would never get it. Right. <laughs> there's, there's still a lot of that put in there. So before we get started on our next article, I'm now going to light my cigar for the show. All right. So I picked up the Big Sky Cryptid. All right. This is from Big Sky Cigars. This is the cryptid. Sorry, there's people that feel the need I, to yell in the fine. back. I think we're fine. Okay. I hope the microphones ain't picking that up as much as I am. So Big Sky Cigars, I've talked about them a lot. I was a big fan of them. I really enjoyed seeing them there. And check out that band. Check That's pretty good. The dragon on the band is absolutely perfect. This is their cryptid. This is a San Andreas wrapper over Nicaraguan binder and filler. But this cigar has a lot of strength. Probably third or fourth strongest cigar I smoke. Really? Um, just absolutely has a lot of strength. It only comes in the Robusto. It only comes in the 5x60s, which I guess, is that a Robusto or is that a short Gordo? or a Robusto Gordo, maybe? Yeah, something along those lines. But just a great cigar of a great band, and I'm really fixing to enjoy lighting this up. So why don't you go ahead and lead us off into our next story while I light my cigar? I will try my best, but it's hard for me to stay positive. Uh, so Dunbarton Tobacco has announced that it is stopping production on a pair of cigars, the Muestra de Saca and the Sin Compromiso, uh, specifically the Sin Compromiso Selexium Veritamagica, magic 
variant, I guess. Um, with Steve Saka saying he has no current intent to make more as he wants to make space for new sizes in 2024. So uh, the, the Moistra de Saka is the 7x38 Lancero that debuted in March of 19. And the other one is also a Lancero. No, well, it's a 7x44 Lonsdale that was one of original five original Vitolas in the Compromiso line. Okay, so when I first seen this article, just the headline, I thought, oh, Steve Barton's got, or Steve Saka's got fired again. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> He's, I guess we should generously call him eccentric. Yeah, you know, we make a joke in the shop all the time about how if you've been in the cigar industry for more than 20 years, you can probably claim that you had a hand in blending the Liga. Right. But Steve, more so than anybody else I know, really leans in on, I blended the Liga. It's my baby, and I'm the one, and all those other... And it can be a bit off-putting. That being said, we've got the receipts. He did have a very big hand in blending the Liga. And before Swisher bought Drew, that was... And changed the recipe. I'm still convinced they did it. Um... That's quite a feather in your cap. I do have to give him that. I don't know that they changed the recipe so much as they just started planting so much more of that tobacco, they lost the quality. Maybe that's what it is. You know, but I do think it's interesting that none of his other cigars have really, like the Sobre Mesa, uh, the Sin Compromiso, they haven't had the same sticking power that the Liga did. So it makes me wonder, like, certainly, yes, he has a right to be uh, a little eccentric in, in the industry that, that he put a, a big thumbprint on. But, yeah, like, nothing else has quite had that staying power. Well, you can be a genius and be humble. Yeah. And the thing is, he's just, you know... The shortened, the shortened version of the name for the NLMTHA is Now Leave Me the Hell Alone. Right. Because he was tired of people asking him for a Lancero. Why not just go the Nick Perdomo route? No, I'm not going to make a Lancero. Why not just say, hey, no, I don't feel like I can make the cigar I want in a Lancero, so I'm not going to make a Lancero. Because the only people buying his cigars were cigar nerds that wanted to smoke a Saka product because of what he did with Liga. And cigar nerds, by and large, smoke Lonsdales and, and Lanceros. So I feel like this is maybe a, a, a tortured genius moment of knowing where his bread is buttered and having to give in. I guess so. I guess that's... I, I, like I said, we probably should be... I've never personally met the man. Um, I will say Dumbarton was not real receptive at the show to even talking to us about opening yeah. an account. Yeah. I, I have met him. I, I witnessed him nearly get thrown out of a shop uh, because in his typical way, in trying to... There's a, there's a line in the show, The Newsroom, that I really love, which is, they got shorter. They got knocked down. That doesn't make you taller. Right. And he doesn't seem to live that, at least in the case of this one interaction. I want to I be clear that I'm just talking about that one, one interaction, but... Um, in order to try and talk himself up, 
he was doing nothing but bad mouthing the shop that was selling his cigars. And the general manager was about another backhanded comment from throwing him out of the shop. You know, so that being my only interaction with him, I don't, maybe that's not fair, but, you know, it, it, it's what I have to go on. Well, if your only strength is to put others down, then you have no strength. Right. You know, if you can't just say, yes, there's a lot of great cigars out there. I feel like my cigars, you know, bet among the best and all. You can have a little humility without having to, to say, oh, why are you buying that? You could buy something. You could buy something in mind that's going to be better. Right. So, yeah, I'm kind of, uh, all right. So from Fox 40, local news that matters. Um, Sky River Casino in Elk Grove adding bourbon and cigar lounge. So residents of Elk Grove and through the Sacramento County can enjoy a lodging experience courtesy of the Sky River Casino. So the bigger part of this, so basically this casino is putting in a cigar and bourbon lounge. Right. The bigger question is, as more and more casinos won't let you smoke cigars at the table, is this viable for them, or how does how does this work? I, I think it is. You know, I only have the one trip that we took to Tunica as a reference, but you know, you're you're there, especially here. You know, there, this is not like Vegas where you can go wherever you want. You know, once you're at the casino, you're pretty much there. That's that's what you're there to do. And everyone but the just most degenerate gambler is going to want to take a break at some point. Now, we ran into this, and so we would go sit in a a dark corner of the sports lounge, and we would have a cigar and just kind of chill and and take a step away from the tables. But that closed, you know, at like 1 a.m. And so it was either, all right, let's call it a night, or you go back out to tables. Maybe that's what they want. I don't know. But I feel like having an area like this where you can't smoke cigars at the table for an activity that has largely been very cigar friendly I think this is a good way to get people because how off, how how frequently are you going to go back to a casino now that you can no longer smoke cigars at the tables less frequently than you would have before right like that's going to be a deciding factor right you can't plan a trip around that you know you can't focus we are, we're planning a mission trip to Ybor City and a mission cigar trip. Not a, not, we're not going to go help the poor, right. impoverished of Ebor or nothing like that. We're going to go, a bunch of us guys are going to get together and we're going to go down there and we're going to, we've got rooms at the Hard Rock set up for us all to be there. Oh, so we're, this is, I, I remember when you were just planning it. This is, this is real now. This is coming together. This awesome. will probably happen in February. Very cool. And we'll all go down there and smoke cigars. You know, we'll fly in, we'll rent a van, and then we'll all go to different places and see different things together down there and it'll be an awesome trip but we'll probably spend a lot less time at the hard rock because this is a cigar group and we can't smoke cigars at the table right so i do i I think this is a great move it's also you know the other thing most people who go to the casino that it's not their only hobby it's not their only interest right and so whether it's, you know, sports betting at a, a sports bar or an OTB kind of setup where you can bet on the ponies. They're like, this is not just going to be a cigar bar, but they're going to have a really fine selection of whiskeys. You, you, you get to drink for free at the tables, but they're not bringing you Weller. Right. They're bringing you whatever's in the well. Right. And so this becomes a nice way for, for most people. You know, your gentleman gambler who also has a taste for, for fine liquor, who wants to actually have a real drink that he can enjoy, to step away. 
Yeah, I think it's a good move, definitely by the by the casino to do this because it does keep them at least on the property. Yeah, and you know that's one of the things about Tunica is there's no good cigar lounges in Tunica. No, I mean there's nowhere you can go hang at a there's lounge. There's no nothing in Tunica. No, there's the not, casinos. Yeah, if you're not gambling, you ain't doing anything in Tunica. And I think that's one of the things that's caused Tunica not to be a great success. The other thing being it's hard to get there. Right. But I think that's one of the factors that's caused Tunica to not be such a success. So I put in the notes, what do we talk about? But not asking you what we talk about, but a conversation about what we talk about. And this comes up a lot here in the cigar shop where we're all, you know, we're relatively relatively frequent guests with one another. Right. We're always together and talking, and we run out of topics. And I feel like this is a problem in cigar lounges everywhere. So over the last couple of weeks, we've kind of been talking about different conversations to have. And as, as I was researching this, I found an, offer, an article of all places from Women's Health Magazine. Well, we've got some time. Do you want to talk about choosing a topic starter before we go into this? Because I think we've got time to do both. Okay, we can do both. Um, because I think it's Because you talk about that... The, the issue, the only sort of hard part about being a regular at a shop is, yes, you guys, you know what's going on in each other's lives. You've already told them about your most recent trip the day you got back from it. You know, so how do you keep the conversation fresh and without, without alienating people? Because it's really easy to say, oh, just talk about what's in the news. But so much of that falls into sort of political disagreements that being said, I feel like I have had the most respectful discourse in regard to things that have a political slant. And I'm not talking about talking straight politics, but things that people think of as political just because they're divisive. That's kind of become a, a an interchangeable phrase, right? And I think what's great about the cigar shop is, is that it is a place where you can talk about religion and politics and by and large people stay very cordial. Yeah, you know, we've had civil discussions about politics here and I, I generally don't participate in very many of them. Generally, I, I wander off when that happens and go talk to somebody else. Um, but, yeah, it does happen where you have these conversations kind of abroad with, uh, with other people about that. And it is easier in the cigar lounge to say, okay, I understand, you know, you and I agree on very little politically, but we both respect what the other thinks about it. Right. I don't think, um, you know, I don't think you're out to get anybody, nor am I out to get anybody. We just have discussions. And we get to show each other both sides of the argument. Yeah. And, you know, I hate that that's part of what it's become is that you kind of have to declare a brand. Well, especially, you know, you have poisoned the well for me in this shop a little bit. Did I talk about that on the show last time we we met? I was having a discussion with a a person in here a few weeks ago, and it was not a respectful discussion, but it was, it, it came about there because I took one position on one issue one time when we talked four months ago. They assumed they knew my entire ethos and who I was and what I got. And it's, but I feel like because these are people that you generally spend so much time with, you don't fall into those trappings. And that's, you see it if you, if you read comment sections online all the time. Well, oh, you think this, you obviously must be for this, that, and the other. And it's, 
you can break down some of those walls here by virtue of the fact that you guys know a little bit more about each other. Yeah, and you know, by and large, this this shop's going to lean more conservative, just almost by the every nature shop of is. it. Yeah, more, pretty much every shop I've been into has been you know populated by a more conservative crowd. Right. But so much of the stuff that the the rhetoric gets thrown in, it just I don't know. I think. I've always said it. I think Fox News and CNN are the two worst things in our society. I think we should they, they should be ostracized and held as the worst part of humanity. That you have two stations that both promote their agenda instead of just reporting the news. Both Two places with news in the name that both right. promote their own agenda. To me, that seems, seems like a terrible thing. Yeah. And, you know, I come out, I come out on the side of what I believe in. And I'll, whether, regardless of whether it flows with the conservative or it flows with a liberal standpoint, I think there's a lot of things like that that go on. Now, there are, you know, there are topics you avoid. You know, right. nobody wants to talk about abortion in here. Right. And by and large, I don't want to. But we have guys that come in here that gets, that just feed theirself on a diet of that Fox News yeah. diatribe. And it's not making them happy. Hey, do what makes you happy. If what you're consuming on a daily basis does not make you happy, stop consuming it. But it's also, also from time to time, you've got these people that, that frequent the shop that are almost always looking for a fight. You know, they, they, maybe they bring up these types of divisive talk, topics because they've been rehearsing the conversation in their head for two days, and they want a chance to, to have a go at the speed bag. You know, right. Don't get in an argument of a fool. He'll beat you of his experience. Right. So, um, so I, so I say all that to say, if you're trying, if you're struggling to come up with topics, I don't think, I think, you know, many years ago it became common knowledge, you know, don't talk about politics and religion. What that's done, I believe is make it so that we are no longer capable because we lack the practice for having rational, reasonable, and courteous discussions about those topics. I think those are things we should be talking about as long as people, can do so in a respectful manner. What are some of the... I know you go to hypotheticals quite a bit. What are some of the other things that you have found? Um, talk a lot about, you know, the challenges that are facing us. I was actually talking about this before, um, before you got here tonight with some guys up front. One of the challenges that I think we're going to face as ethical men in the future is how much can you exploit stupid people for profit? There's such a such a large amount of dumb people. You know, um, the tipping point they talked about, you know, dumb people have a lot of kids earlier in life. And basically, dumb has outbred smart people. And, and so, there, and you see guys, you know, social media um, yeah. celebrities that are cashing in on just taking advantage of dumb people, just saying what dumb people want to hear in order to take advantage of that. And I think that's going to be an ethical issue in the future is how much can you take advantage of dumb people for your own profit? And I, I actually think that we're starting to see some of that already. Uh, but it, it is an interesting thought about where that, if we haven't crossed that line yet, which we obviously haven't, where the line is. Like what's going to have to happen before someone throws up their hands and goes, all right, that's enough. Yeah, the... You know, it, because before social media and the internet, it was Jerry Springer and Maury Povich, and those, and even the early days of the Oprah Show was, you know, I'm in love with a circus performer kind of stuff. 
Yeah, you know, um, one of the guys in here, he's a um, producer for one of these court shows. And I asked him, I said, who watches this? And he says, I have no idea. He says, I, it, a but bunch. But I'm glad they do. <laughs> a bunch of people do. And all, but I mean, you know, when I was in Alaska, we just had local TV. So in between doing things, if we were just chilling out, it was local TV. And it was all of these fake court programs yeah. on daytime TV. And it's like, who watches this stuff? Who who consists on a diet of... Well, I, I think what it really comes down to is it's... They're aired on the same networks as the the TV shows that that everyone starts their day with, right? Whether it's Good Morning America or Today Show or whatever, you know, they lead into these things. So your doctor's office, your dentist, they've got the TV on one channel all day and it feeds to it. But also, they're incredibly cheap to make. You know, the people that come on the show get paid like three hundred and fifty dollars for a half, you know, for four hours to go do their thing. You know, they can record a season of episodes in a week. And and then, so, basically, any ad, ad revenue you get is, you know, is your break-even point. Yeah, it's a very profitable, you know, portfolio. But I, w- I will say, you know, Glenda and I, we were discussing this the other day. We had a poker player come here and start playing poker with us. And when he got here, he was just a jerk. He was just a pain-in-the-neck jerk. And I always set him at my table so that I could control him. Yeah. And over the course of the past four or five months, he's turned into the best dude ever. He's willing to help. He's willing to get in because we didn't feed that side of him. Right. We didn't feed that part of him. Well, and he came in with armor on, it sounds like. Yeah, he did. I kind of had to break. And there's some stuff I just told him. I said, hey, we don't do it that way. If you don't like, you know, he, he was big on the throwing one chip ends a call thing. And I finally told him, I said, hey. This ain't Vegas, and this is a friendly game. If someone throws one chip in and they say, oh, I want to add some to it, we let them. If they throw yeah. one chip in, they say, oh, I didn't know what the bet was. But I said, We're not, I'm not going to force anybody to call because of the fact that they put one chip in. And I'll, now I do monitor it. You know, I do yeah. tell everybody, hey, once your bet crosses the line, that's your bet. There ain't a lot, ain't a lot of this going back and forth stuff. And I kind of, you know, get it right. But he turned but through patience. Right and abuse, he turned into a very good player. He's become one of the good players in our game and enjoyable to be around. But we didn't feed his darker side. We didn't stoop to that level and start feeding that yeah. that less congenial side of his personality. That makes sense. And, you know, it's you know I quit listening to Adam Carolla. I used to listen to Carolla every day. I quit listening to Adam Carolla because nothing about it made me feel good. Right. Everything was him grumbling and him griping and him complaining about this, that, or the other. Or And if you take nothing but that kind of stuff in, it starts to become part of who you are. There's just no way around it. You know, it's it's the old adage, you're only as good as the company you keep. And you know, now with podcasts making people more accessible and things like that, like that... It goes, it goes even doubly so for the media you consume or the social media you consume or, or whatever. Yeah, I think it does. I think the, the, it, you have to be careful in this information age what information you choose to digest on a daily basis. Yeah, I've, I actually have been noticing that personally uh, on a level for, for a few weeks now. And I'm, I'm in the process of cleaning up my feed and getting rid of a lot of those those. those accounts and those people who do nothing but just feed that negative, you know, uh, what's, what's a doomsday type of feelings. 
Well, and it is part of the human condition that there is a joy in righteous indignation. Oh, yeah. And, oh, I know I'm right, and they're doing it wrong. And it make, it gives you a, a little, you know, serotonin hit or whatever hit. Yeah, dopamine. Dopamine, that's it. In your head that you're right and they're wrong. Yeah, and, and I'm going to prove it to them as if that's going to make any difference. But speaking of the modern age All right. and Let's... affects of the modern age as it is, from women's health, these tender conversation starters actually work, according to dating experts. Okay, I've never been on Tinder. I've been married 25 years. Right. I, I've, I've, I was married long before Tinder became an issue. You've dipped your toe into this pool from time to time. I have. Am I out of touch, or does this seem stupid? No, <laughs> this is this is this is well on. Is it really? Yeah. So. So, for the uninitiated, Tinder is is kind of the OG as far as dating apps go, but they really revolutionized the dating in the modern age, and it's a hookup app. It's not meant to find your husband or your wife. It's meant to go on a couple of dates and, you know, have a good end to the date, uh, make a few breakfasts. And, but the thing is, it, it's it's very superficial. It's really your photos matter more than anything else. But once you match with somebody, there you there still is a, a little bit of a of a a gamesmanship involved in converting that you know connection on face value into actually meeting in person and then you know taking it from there. Well, so I'm going to hit a few of these. Keep your tender opening message short, sweet, and to the point. Okay, that seems like common sense. Well, it it is, but it it when you f- factor in the fact that most of the time the person opening the conversation is going to be a dude. You know, typically the guy initiates the conversation. By and large, the male form is not known for its eloquence, so it tends to be, "Hey, what's up?" or you know, nice to meet you, or what? You know, it's something very generic, very, or, or, or obviously, you've got a lot of people that say, "Hey, if you found a briefcase that had, you know, the exact amount of money in it as your phone number, how much money would you have?" You know, th- those kinds of things. But it's th- there becomes this. You know, some guys are just playing the numbers game; they just swipe on everybody and see who matches back. And then it's just about, you know, casting a wide net. And then there are other guys that actually take, and this will be no surprise to you, this is more how I was at the time, you actually take a time to, you know, read their bio, read that, kind of figure out something that you can kind of go, oh, hey, this is what interested me in you. And it to try and increase, because I'd say about 70% of opening lines never even get a response. So if my opening line was Bigfoot enthusiast, would I get anything? You might. And all because that that goes a number two. Establish yourself as a unique individual and keep it positive. And I I do agree with that. I mean, keeping it positive seems like a good ideal. Um, ask about where they're from. Eh. Take advantage of in-app features for a good conversation starter. So does Tinder gather? You know, what's the the Facebook meme going around? I'm going to quit shopping. I'm just going to start telling Alexa. Or speaking about things I want and wait for Alexa to send me an ad? Yeah, basically. Now, so if at least it was this way back in the day, um, which granted it's been like eight years since I was on Tinder, but the, or seven, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, 
it was based on your your Facebook profile. Like that was the only way to log into the app. So that basically that ensured they had a real name. They had you know, and but it you know so you could link into various you know you could put like there's a bio section so you can put your Instagram handle or your Snapchat or whatever, or you can or I guess now Spotify playlists and, and other things like that. So it 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 does connect to other apps uh, as much as you let it. Okay, well, I was just curious about that. And all this this segment, I feel like, is more for old man Shane. <laughs> old man Shane seeing how the kids are doing it nowadays. Um, they have ask about hobbies and interests, which is kind of a right. kind of a, just a repeat of the set, the last one. When in doubt, stick to the basics. What's your favorite film? What's the last book you read? Where's the last place you travel? You know. See, this is where I think it's funny because that that's a go-to or you know for a lot of people if you if you're trying to come up with something pithy or, or clever oftentimes that's it doesn't work you just go back to something this is so generic you know and they even say like in, in one of the first ones like try to stand out but be positive and kind of this is you know what was the last book you read that's no one's responding to that you know where's the last place you traveled to that's now, who, that's not. That's way too surface level. I'm surprised that the so-called dating experts actually put that one on there. And then number seven, cut to the chase and bring up a date. And I'll. I mean, does that have to wait till number seven? It seemed to me like that would be something you'd be getting off to on the from the blocks. Hey, when can we meet? When can we sit down and actually have a human conversation? So you have to think about the social dynamics about who's on the site, right? You're if you're a guy on the site. You're going to be hoping you're, you're you're going to be casting a net, hoping you catch something. If you're a woman on the app, you are going to be inundated by dick pics, by random solicitations, by like it's just really guys coming on very very strong. So if you come right out the gate and just say, "Hey, what's your phone number?" That you know, it or you know, let's go out. You, You've got to do something because, you know, speaking of coming in with armor, any woman getting on one of these apps better come in with some armor because you're going to see a lot of stuff. It's, it's, it doesn't paint the best picture of who men are. And so you've got to be, you've got to be like polite and considered and strategic enough to get past that initial wall. But you also don't, you also have to piss or get off the pot because it's, you know, 5, 10, 20, however many new matches that are coming at her every day. So you've got you've to stay relevant. And that's also why you've got to try and get off the app quicker because you want to try and shield yourself from the rest of the detritus coming our way. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. And I think that's part of what guys don't, guys don't get. We, By and large, most of us are pretty harmless. But women have to worry about, okay, is this guy planning to, you know, shoot me, stab me, chain me up in his basement? What's his, what's his plan? Yeah, it's, you know, what is it? Let, let's say eight out of ten guys are perfect gentlemen, but the two that aren't are so egregious in their behavior that they make you have to look out for all ten. Yeah, I think that's, and don't be that guy. And uh, what was your opening line? How did how did you open up when you were in one of these apps? How did you open yourself up? It was it was different for everybody. It was always tailored. Um, my wife and I didn't meet on Tinder, but we met on a, a similar type of dating app, and it it worked out because on this particular app, they don't show you the name of the person; you just get the pics and the vi- and the bio. And I recognize her because we used to work together. Um, long long time ago and I we had completely lost touch and 
So once once you match, they share the name. And once I saw it actually was her, that made the opening line pretty easy. But for everybody else, it was it was always tailored to either what they listed as an interest or, you know, the um, so often the women would just post photos and not list anything in the bio. And I just I made it a point that if you're not going to at least meet me halfway and give me something to try and talk to you about, I'm not even going to try. Right. Just keep it moving. Yeah. Um, so had you quit drinking when you met your wife? Uh, just barely. I stopped drinking June 2nd of 17. We went on our first date July 17th. Okay. So you were brand new and you was, were going to meetings and everything like yeah. that, all that good stuff. Yeah. Which and all of the a- hardcore AA people were vehemently against. Right. It worked for me. Hey, it worked out. Worked or worked great. You know, my wife and I, we met at school, met at co- college. And, you know, it was a very easy thing for me and all. But I'm, I've always made up for my looks of my charm. So <laughs> makes it makes it a lot easier to do. All right. So before we wrap this one up, do you want to hit one more cigar or do you want to save it for the next show? Let's save it for the next one. We're running pretty long. All right. Well, tell me what you're thinking about the Espiritu number one. I love it. I can't wait till my number twos come in cause, so I can remember which one of the two I actually prefer, even though they're both phenomenal. Well, the number two has the Araparaca tobacco in it, which the number one right. doesn't. So you get a little different flavor with that Araparaca. The Cryptid is awesome. I'm enjoying it dramatically. It's a six in my book every day of the week. Um, I wish I'd like to have it in some other sizes. Yeah. I'd like to try it out in a little less ring gauge, a little longer. I'd like a Toro in it. Yeah. Um, now, do they make it, or you guys just don't carry it, or they no, don't make it? they don't make it. That's my only complaint with Big Sky is they don't make a variety of sizes. Everything's one size. But, see, we typically talk about that being a good thing. Yeah, it kind of is, but when you get a really good one of theirs, you kind of want to try it in some different sizes. Yeah, fair enough. And also, I'm a six. Where's your rating? I'm at a six. All right. Well, how do they get a hold of us? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast and email info at the cigarcast.com. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening this week. And until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.